Often there's too much to say to cover both readings, uh, as let alone a saint of the day. And uh, so I wanted to say, well, this is one of the examples, or I should say exceptions, where we want to try to do that because of the importance of what is said in both passages. Now, I didn't know Deacon Tyler was going to be with me this morning. That's great. So uh, the next couple of days, I've invited uh, Father John Larson. He'll be doing the Exaltation of the Cross tomorrow. And poor Deacon Tyler's schedule is real busy, so he may or may not be able to preach on Wednesday, but we're hoping so you might be able to hear a few words if his schedule allows it. But this today is so important in these two readings. I want to first start with the first reading, Brother Ben mentioned, and that is Jesus being the only mediator. So therefore, we as Catholics are not biblical because we invoke the intercession of the saints. Well, first of all, it is true. Yes, Jesus is the mediator to the Father. Jesus is the only way to the Father. But you've heard me say before, there's many ways to Jesus. We just heard one in the centurion. He is a mediator with his servant. His servant was sick, ill. What did the centurion do? He interceded. He was a mediator to bring that servant to Jesus, or in this case, Jesus to the servant. And so, yes, have you ever brought anyone to Jesus? This is not what the Bible is talking about when they say one mediator. They're talking about Jesus is the only way to the Father, but there are many ways to Jesus. I said before, who brought Peter to Jesus? Andrew. Who brought Nathaniel to Jesus? Philip. Who brought you to Jesus? Maybe a friend or a relative. Certainly, Jesus' own mother certainly can. Well, but she's dead. We don't talk to dead people. Well, Jesus did on the mountain, right? At the transfiguration. Did Jesus not have a conversation with Moses and Elijah, who had long since deceased, because they're not dead, they're fully alive, as the saints tell us. And so this is why in the scriptures it says, God says, I am the God of the living, not of the dead. Now, this is important. In proclaiming Christ, the one mediator that we just read, and Brother Ben just read it, it is from 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Right? First chapter, First Timothy, letter of Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. Now, if you read, guess what? What St. John Chrysostom says, so I can work in the saint here too, hitting the trifecta, first reading, second reading, and or gospel, and the saint. St. John Chrysostom talks about this. In proclaiming Christ the one mediator, the text excludes any parallel mediation. Yes, this is true, meaning there's nobody equal to Jesus. Only Jesus takes us to the Father. So there is no parallel mediation, but there is subordinate mediation. There is, before emphasizing the exclusive mediation of Christ, Paul says what? I urge supplications. First of all, I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be offered for everyone. Paul right there is telling you to be a mediator. When you pray for somebody else to bring them to Jesus, you're being a mediator. And this is what Paul's talking about. He's commanding us to do this. 
I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be offered. That makes you a mediator. So when somebody says you can't be a mediator, say, have you ever brought anybody to Jesus? Because then you're a mediator. What about the suffering slave at home? The servant, this centurion was his mediator. Now that doesn't make us equal to Jesus. That doesn't mean that salvation is through us. And it doesn't mean that we are capable of going to the Father. That's all Jesus's job. Our job is to get to Jesus. And the beautiful way, for instance, is his mother. Now, if subordinate mediation, the kind we're talking about, is not allowed, then please don't ask anybody to pray for you. If there's no such thing as subordinate mediation, then do not ask anyone to pray for you. But most all of us do, even atheists. Praise be to God. I got a letter. It's about a month ago. It was a beautiful letter. And it was from an atheist. And so he never believed in God, was never brought up to believe in God, never could understand the concept of God, scientifically can't prove God, but said felt he was moved to send us a letter asking for prayers for his sick sister. God bless him. That's a beautiful example of mediation. And so he asked for prayers. You know, the important thing here, and this is what St. John Chrysostom points out, the Greek word used for the word one that St. Paul is talking about here, that Jesus is the one mediator. That Greek word, remember the gospels are written in Greek, is not monos, which would mean the only one ever allowed. It's actually, and it could not mean the word soul, it's actually the word eus, which means, get this, one in the first of a series or principle, that means there can be some below the main. Principle means there's others under it. So Jesus is the principal mediator who enables many other sub-mediators like you and me to bring others to him. Christians act as sub-mediators when we pray for our neighbors, share the gospel, or serve the poor. The Bible says that our growth in faith and holiness is aided by the intercession of other members of the body of Christ. Ephesians says this, Thessalonians says this, 1 Timothy says this. And remember, there's no better way than his mother. And so Jesus comes, we all know this from the line of David, and in the Davidic kingdom, who was the, who was the queen? It wasn't the wife of the king, it was the mother. And she had the function of, guess what? You can read this in 1 Kings 2. She was the counselor to the king. And all the peasants went to her to be heard by the king. So why would Jesus change that? So I want to finish by saying, now, this is why the centurion, the story of the gospel, is so powerfully related to this. Because he mediated for that sick slave. What's going on here? All right, so a little bit about the centurion. All right, the centurion here, you all know, you've heard me say, one of my favorite gospel passages is the four men and the paralytic. Because the four men lowered the paralytic through the roof and Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. But he didn't say because of him, asking for Jesus to come into his heart, which we do have to do. But he looked at the four men and says, your faith has healed this man. That's fascinating. 
Because the four men in the paralytic simply believed that they could get Jesus to touch him, he would heal him. But you know what? This centurion has a greater faith in those four men. As much as I love that gospel of the four men in the paralytic, they believed they had to get Jesus to touch him like a healing mass. This centurion actually has a greater faith because he didn't even have to have Jesus come to his house. He didn't even have to have Jesus touch him. He believed if Jesus just said the word, it would heal his servant. That's where we get the part of the mass that when the priest elevates the host, he says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word. And he says in scripture, my servant shall be healed. And we say, my soul shall be healed. This is amazing. He thought the word of Christ alone was sufficient to heal. He didn't even have to touch him. Whereas the four men in the paralytic, they wanted to touch him. He had to touch him. The woman in the hem of the garment, she had to touch him. This guy's just saying, Lord, you just say the word. So as a soldier, he knew that a command would be carried out. He said, when I say go, go, when I say come, come, what's the point of him saying that? He's saying that because he's saying, I know the power of the word. I just say the word and people obey. Now you have the ultimate word. He had at least this much authority, Jesus, and, and ultimately a lot more. All you have to do is speak the word of command and it will be obeyed is basically what the centurion is saying. You know, it's interesting because to think about healing from a distance and not physically touching would have been beyond belief at this time in history. And it still is probably even more so today. Do we believe like this? Do we believe like the centurion? I always say people to about the healing mass, as much as I love healing masses, I know people who won't bother going to Sunday mass, but they'll drive 80 miles here to go to one of our Thursday night healing masses. As beautiful as that is, the Sunday mass is our moral obligation. Weekday masses, as beautiful as they are, full of grace, infinite grace, it's not a holy day of obligation. But yet they'll drive 80 miles on a Thursday night to come to a healing mass, but yet they'll not go two miles from their own home on a Sunday for a main mass because they believe in the, that Jesus has to physically touch me. No, just the word is enough. You know, every centurion in the New Testament is mentioned with honor. Y'all remember this? The centurion who has recognized Jesus on the cross, truly, this is the son of God. Played by Ernest Borgnine, remember? The Cornelius, I used to live in a town in Huntersville, North Carolina. Next town over was Cornelius. Cornelius was the first Gentile to be converted to the Christian church. He was a centurion. There was a centurion who discovered that Paul was a Roman citizen in Acts, and he rescued him from the fury of that rioting mob. So there's a lot of good centurions, but there's something special about this one. The one from Capernaum. He loved his slave. It was so unexpected that you would love a slave like that, that it almost moved Jesus to a level like he hadn't been moved before. Well, how do you know that, Father? It says it. It says only twice that Jesus marvels in all of the gospel. 
only twice. And here it says Jesus marveled at his faith. You know, Gentiles' faith here and in Mark 6, 6, were the only two times it said we marveled. And that was at his own hometown's unbelief. So one marveling was bad. Jesus couldn't believe. He marveled at the unbelief in his own town when he couldn't cure people because they had no faith. And it only says it the second time that he marveled here at the faith of the centurion. Why? Because the ones who should have the faith didn't. The people from his own hometown. But the one who shouldn't have the faith, the Gentile centurion did. This is amazing. So it's why is it always those closest to the truth often don't see it? We Catholics, we've been given the fullness of the truth, yet oftentimes we take it for granted. There are, you know, people in Africa, I always laugh. They always tell me, Father Richard and others who are from Nigeria, that people beg for three, four-hour homilies. Could you imagine if Father Kaz and I did that to you? <laughs> I always chuckle because we're not used to that in America. No way, Father. No way. You're not giving no three-hour homily. So those who have had the least exposure sometimes to the truth are the one that recognize it the most. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And so I finish by saying the specialness of this centurion, because probably the slave was his entire family. You know, Roman soldiers were not permitted to have legal families during their military service. So this was probably his whole family. And so by asking Jesus to help him, he was risking the ridicule of all his other soldiers, as well as the mockery from the Jews. Because the Gentile just didn't ask a Jewish preacher to help him. And then he comes in and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. This is such extraordinary faith. Why? Because a Jew could not enter the house of a Gentile. The dwelling place would be unclean then. So what this showed was Gentile, the, the Gentile here, the centurion, respected Jesus in his Jewish custom. And he said, you don't even have to come over, Jesus, because he knew the Jews would figure that his house would defile Jesus. And yet Jesus was still willing to go. This was man's law, not God's law. So the Jews had to learn that the way to God is not just by being Jew or a member of any nation. It is faith. And he had that faith. But is it faith alone? Uh-uh. He backed it up with action. What was his faith in action? Mercy. Mercy on his servant. That he sought out Jesus and that that was the way that Jesus gave him healing, and ultimately salvation, we believe. Because remember, our faith teaches it's not just faith alone. It's faith with works of love, not works of the law. And what is mercy? Mercy is works of love. What is the definition of mercy? When love encounters suffering, it takes action to do something about it. So this faith of this centurion encountered suffering. What did he do? He took action to do something about it. What did he do? He interceded. He became a mediator 
and he sought God. Our whole faith is wrapped up in this first reading, this gospel passage, and the commentary given to it by St. John Chrysostom. We celebrate all three today. What an incredible connection and what an incredible testimony to the truth of our faith. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.